We're in the book of Deuteronomy. This morning we went in chapter 8. We're going to continue in chapter 8 as you see verses 6 through 11. There's a couple things I want to remind you about. The Deuteronomy is the fifth book of our Bible. Genesis, it tells us how God started the human race. Now he started the Hebrew race. Exodus, how God exited his people out of Egypt or out of the type of the world. Leviticus, how he got the world out of his people, how he got Egypt out of his people with his word and his ways taught to the men and women who are going to take the word of God to the people, especially the Levites. Numbers is a record of the moving about of God's people for 40 years after they rebelled at Kadesh Barnea to go into the promised land. He took them on a 40-year walk around Mount Sinai. But he was very good to them. Even in judgment, he remembered mercy and he helped them. Now time has gone by. Moses has been prohibited from going into the promised land. He's already smitten the rock that second time. And, and it was the thing that God said, enough is enough. Uh, you, you're not going to go in. He accepted God's judgment and then appointed and told the people that Joshua is going to be your new leader in chapter 4 of the book of Deuteronomy. Then he begins to tell them and reiterates things to a younger generation. It was the millennials of the day. These were young people that were 20 years old, 21, 22, 23, 24. And there were a few older folks, but those guys were Caleb and Joshua. They were the old one, their family, their wives, probably the same age in that area. But most everybody else is 40 and under. And so it's a young church but it's time to go into the promised land. It's going to be a battle. It's not just uh, tiptoe across the uh, Jordan River and everything's going to be good. No, it will be a fight. It will be a challenge. There are 10 cities, the first of which is Jericho, teaching us that first things belong to God. God said, that belongs to me. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. And uh, that's mine. By the way, that's the same is true with our tithes and offerings today. I may share a thought about that in just a few moments. I believe it's important we understand that. And listen, friend, God doesn't need your money. Tithing, giving is not God's ways to raise funds. It's God's ways to raise you and raise me and to help us grow in our hearts for the Lord. Because where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ that said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven uh, where moth and rust does not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. The safest investment you can make in this world is for the next world. And uh, keep your head up looking for eternity. God wants us to anticipate the coming of Christ. He wants, to wants us to anticipate the coming of the Lord and a lifetime and eternity with God. That's why he said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And one of the ways we do this is by giving. Because giving does not tell you just where your heart is. It tells us where your heart will go. And he reminds us of that. But they're young people. And uh, they, they heard about what happened years ago when they were children or not even born yet. Whenever Moses came off Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. But he reiterates it again. And Deuteronomy is sometimes say that the actual, the word Deuteronomy means second law. He gives it to them a second time. And you'll see the words remember. Had someone look it up for me today. 14 times the word remember is forget or forgot. For, uh, I think another nine times and then six times. I can't remember. Someone texted to me. Thank you for being so diligent to look those up and help me. But nonetheless, he, he doesn't want them to forget 
what God did for them, especially when they crossed in to uh, the Canaan land, a place God has prepared for them. Now, Canaan land is not heaven. Uh, of course, there was a Mosey Lister who wrote the song, Canaan Land is Just in Sight, making us think that Canaan Land is heaven. It's a good song, but it's really not accurate in that way. A Canaan Land is the example of the Christian life. There'll be battles, there'll be setbacks, there'll be, there'll be conquering, there'll be victories, and that's in the Christian life. When we get saved, we enter into an opportunity to enjoy the blessings that God has for us. He tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered the heart of man the things God has prepared for those that love Him. Dear friend, God has something planned for you, and it is special. I'm not just giving you Joel Osteen gobbledygook here. I'm telling you, God loves you. And what God wants to do with your life in this lifetime is beyond what you could imagine. I don't think that's talking about heaven. I think heaven's going to be off the chart. I think eternity is going to be unbelievable. If God made this world in seven days, what in the world will the world be like when God has had 2,000 years to consider what he wants to prepare for you? He has that, but he has also a blessing in this lifetime. And every one of us need to look to him and know that all things are not against you. All things work together for good if you'll love the Lord and be committed to his purpose. I want to encourage you. Teenagers, get that. Senior adults, get that. Young married couples, get that. Single adults, get that. Children, remember that God loves you and he has something he wants you to do. Every saint has a place of service. Every member has a place of ministry. And it's going to be good. Jesus says over and over again, he's coming back. He's coming back. And when he comes, his reward is with him to give to those who have labored. For those who've done what God wants them to do while they're in their bodies. And do what you can while you can. And I want to encourage you to do that. And of course, He has given them a challenge. In chapter 5, He gives them the Ten Commandments. Chapter 6, He challenges them to not only have it in their hearts, but to convey it to their children, to their children's children, to make sure that everybody gets it. Don't stop talking about it. Chapter 7, He tells them, if you're going to maintain a walk with God, you must separate from the Canaanites and from the, the Hittites and the Amorites and all the guys that are in that Canaan land. You're going to be in a land that flows with milk and honey, but... There are adversaries. I think about the Apostle Paul. He said, man, there, there are as effectual an open door open to me, but there are many adversaries. And in the Christian life, there are blessings beyond your wildest imagination, but there are battles. We build and we battle. We build and we battle. That is the story we get from the book of Nehemiah. And he challenges them with that. He said, you've got to separate from those who are not going the right direction. I think it's so important that we learn that. And then he tells them, he challenges them to obey what God tells them to do. And then chapter 8, he is going to ask them to remember. Remember the journey that they've taken in these 40 years. Remember the, the trip. Remember the challenges and the ups and downs and how God has led you. Have faith in how God made you. Have faith, have faith in how God has prepared you. Have faith in how God has led you. Uh, don't do your comparisons. I think all of us need to learn that the enemy of contentment, and that's one thing that God tells us we're supposed to do is be content, is comparison. Uh, 
Listen, God made you special. God made you different. God made you with gifts and strengths. Don't try to compare yourself to somebody else. I thank God for every one of our assistant pastors in this ministry. I oftentimes tell Linda, I could not in my wildest imagination work with any finer people than God has given us here at First Baptist Church. I know that it's not God's will to keep everybody here the rest of their ministry. I know that God may touch some of them to go elsewhere. I just hope not. I love every one of them. I love to see what God, anytime someone leaves, it crushes me. But at the same time, if it's good for God, it's good for everybody. We figure that out. But I thank God for the different men and women of God that serve in this ministry. I thank God for our deacons. And you know the truth of the matter about our deacons? None of them are the same. All of them are unique. They have different strengths, different weaknesses. They have different gifts that God has given them. And so do our staff. And one of the challenges is, is comparing ourselves among ourselves, which God's very clear. That's not smart. That's not wise. Find out what God wants you to do and exercise wisdom in the strengths that God's given you. And he's going to tell them, he says, listen, remember your journey. Number two, remember the challenges. Remember the trials. Remember how I humbled you. One of the things that God says here, he says, during this 40 years, I brought you to some low places. I brought you where you didn't have water so I could show you I could provide water for you. I brought you where you didn't have uh, manna, and I, and I provided manna for, for you. I brought you where you had enemies coming at you at the Red Sea behind you, and all you had is a body of water and all your babies and your belongings. And, and I opened up the Red Sea so you could see that I can handle this. And you know, God showed him, he says, I can nourish you. I can provide food for you. I can provide your necessities. And you know, he still promises to do that. He said, if you've got food and raiment, let's therewith be content. He told him, he said, I gave you manna to eat. You didn't starve to death. And I gave you clothes to wear and your shoes never wore out. Your feet didn't swell past the size of your shoes. God took care of you. And he said, I want you to remember. Remember the journey. Remember the, uh, the, the uh, trials. And remember that I'm proving you. I want to see what's in your heart. If you really will obey God or no. Boy, that I don't know about you, but I want to be on that right side of that question. I want to be the person that does obey God and not the person who doesn't. We're going to pick up at verse number three. Would you look at chapter eight, verse number three? Here's what the Bible says. And he humbled thee. Moses is talking to him. He humbled thee and he suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest, without knewest not. Because you didn't even know what it was. That's what manna means. I don't know what this is. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. I don't know what it is. Neither did your fathers know. He might make you know that the man doth not live by bread only. Do you remember that verse? That was quoted by Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 with his conquest and his uh, attack from Satan. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And teaching them it's a spiritual lesson. Verse number 4, thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Verse 5, then shalt... Uh, also consider in thine heart. Thou shalt consider also in thy heart, that is, that man chasteneth, is a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. You can look in several places in the book of Hebrews. In Proverbs chapter 3, the Bible says, Despise not the chasing of the Lord, neither be weary when thou art corrected of him. He says, I don't want you to get, I don't want you to get upset. I'm working with you. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about when you run your race, don't get upset with the coach. The coach is the one who wants you to win. He wants you to do well. He said, just, it's not like an enemy uh, being an ad, chastening his, his, his foe. It's like a father who loves his son and wants to help him. And here's what I want you to see real quickly before we continue our study. Would you look at chapter 8? And now I want you to look over at verse number 16. He's going to reiterate what he's done, but look at verse 16. I want you to read the second half of it with me. Who fed thee in the wilderness. Are you looking in your Bibles, friends? Here we go. We're in Deuteronomy 8, verse number 16. Who fed thee in the wilderness with the manna, which thy fathers knew not, and he might hum that he might humble thee. Would you read the rest of it with me? And that he might prove thee to the good at thy latter end. I like that last part, that he might do thee good at thy latter end. You know why God gave us that? Because he wants to do you good at the latter end. You know why a coach will discipline a team? Because he wants them to win the championship. You know why God wants to work in your life and he's brought you through this journey and he's corrected you and humbled you and tried to help you and proved you? Why? Because he wants you to win. He wants you to do good at the end. You know, let me just say something to you, friend. Every decision um, has, uh, has benefit. If you make a bad decision, you're going to pay for it later. If you make a good decision, you'll pay for it now and enjoy it later. It has a blessing. Sometimes the bad decisions, they might seem easy now, but you'll pay the piper later on. But listen, let me tell you, God is looking far past uh, this, uh, this date of May 2020. He's looking to when you stand before Him one day. Who for the joy that was set before Him. He's looking for an opportunity to reward you and you can be glad you did and not wish you would have. I think it's really important to understand the heart of God is not to bang away at you. The heart of God is to reward you. He wants you to have a good latter end. It makes me think about Jeremiah 29, verse number 11, where the Bible says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're good and they're not evil and they're to bring you to an expected end. You know, a lie that people believe is that God doesn't care about them. He doesn't, he's not in this for them. If you serve God, you'll lose everything. You know, I was talking to a young man who would be called a millennial in our day. He's still in his 20s. And... Uh, he was thinking about the guys he went to school with and how much money they were going to make and what careers they were going to go to. And he knew God had called him to preach. And uh, he went against the, the, the advice of his friends and took a little bit on the chin from what their opinions were. But you know, now he's gone 10 years away since they have gone their direction. He's gone his direction and he wouldn't trade his life for anything. He wouldn't trade his beautiful wife and his children. He wouldn't trade the opportunities that God has given him to do something that lasts for eternity. And I think that's important to buy into the fact that God loves you. He has something planned for your life. You can accept it. You can revel in it. You can enjoy it. And he has a, he's thinking about the end game. He's not just thinking about the nasty now and now. And even through difficult times, don't fall in love with grief. Some of you, bless your heart, I love you, you love me, but you're so caught up. And every time you get with someone, you want to talk about how hard it is to be you. I would just say, knock it off. Find a blessing in that whole situation. Take all your care. Turn it to prayer. Add thanksgiving. Cast all your care upon Him. Trust God for your latter end. 
Trust Him today. Put your faith in Him. Stop complaining. Stop being embraced, embracing all these problems that you are. I think about Naomi. When she came back, she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Oh, the Lord's dealt, he's dealt harshly with me. And blaming God for your state. Don't do that. You know, everybody in this world has had something happen to them worse than what you and I have had happen to us. I was praying with someone today. They said, Pastor, would you pray with me? I'm going through some very difficult rejection issues with my family. And I was glad to pray with that person. And as I did, I reminded him and reminded the Lord, God, we know that he's not the only one to ever go through this. And he's got it really good compared to a lot of people that have gone through this. Don't fall in love. You know, I think about Jacob. He said he refused to be comforted. He, he refused to accept the grace of God for his trial. Don't do that. Because God has a plan for your latter end. He wants you to win. He wants you to have all the blessings that he has planned for you. You know, prayer gets us everything that God is. And one of the things that we, we struggle with so bad, I struggle with, is prayer. Asking. Remember old John R. Rice telling us, ask and you shall receive. Prayer is asking. Boy, keep asking. Keep going to the Lord and petitioning Him for things that God wants us to have. I believe anything we pray in the will of God, He is ready to do it with us. We're back to our passage of Scripture. Let's look real quickly at verse number 6. Therefore, shalt uh, keep the commandments of the Lord. Therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and to walk in his ways and to fear him. Really just a quick outline there. He uses the word therefore. When you see the word therefore, you think, what is it there for? And what does God want me to do? He's already stated something in the past. He says, I want you to remember your journey. Remember the trials. Remember the testing. Remember that God's evaluating you. And he has your end uh, at sight. He'll nourish you. He'll give you your necessities. So love him and be faithful to him. And he says, okay, so do what he tells you to do, number one. Number two, he says to walk in his ways. Number three, he says to fear him. I'd like to ask you, if you would please, to take your Bible real quickly and turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Thank you for being a Bible uh, reading people. Brother uh, Doug Fisher told me recently, because I love to preach at First Baptist Hammond, because the people there turn in their Bibles when you ask them to. And I want that to be true of all of us. So don't just look up at me or the preacher when he asks you to turn something. Turn over there, discipline yourself, make a note, underline something, circle something, and uh, highlight something that will be helpful to us in our future. But that third thing, he said, I want you to obey the Lord. I want you to walk in His ways. You know, God calls our life a walk. He says, walk in the Spirit. He said, walk in the light. Walk in love one to another. And He wants us to walk. We want us to make progress. And boy, you can tell a lot about someone how they walk. And your walk is very important. He said, I want you to walk. I want you to conduct yourself in the ways that God wants you to conduct yourself. And then He says, to fear Him. I've been thinking about that word. Fear Him. I think it means to, it means to uh, live in the constant awareness of God's presence. To know God is with me. Do you fear the Lord? I'll tell you what makes us fear the Lord. There's two things I know that teach me to fear the Lord, and I'll just tell you this quickly. And that is, when I hear God's Word, God becomes real to me. When I hear God's Word, that's why you want to be in Sunday school, in church. 
That's why, boy, I was so glad to see so many families bringing their children today to this service. It just blessed my heart. Why? Because hearing God's word, you never know what that's going to do in the hearts of people. Number two is when we return God's tithe. And of course, you see that in the book of Malachi. I'm not going to go there, but you can see it in verses 8 through 10. I want to ask you to look at verse 16. Malachi 3 and verse number 16. Here's what it says. It says here, Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for all that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. It's kind of interesting here. He, he gives this in context of giving. He says, listen, you, you're away from me. How can we come back, give your tithes and offerings? And one of the reasons that that happens is that you become aware of God's presence in your life. May I just say to you that God seems to put People who fear Him in a book of remembrance. This is Memorial Day Sunday. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Three o'clock in the afternoon, we'll stop the world and, and we will remember our fallen uh, friends and, and loved ones who have given the ultimate price. Tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, I'll have the chance to be on the radio station with several uh, military personnel and so forth, and folks and veterans. And we'll talk about that. We have some prizes to give away and things of that nature. I'm looking forward to doing that. But today, on this Sunday, I'm asking you, and I think God's asking us, to remember Him. Because remembering Him puts you and I in the book of remembrance. God says those that fear the Lord ought talk often to each other of Him. By the way, what are your conversations about? What are my conversations about? Is it all about sports? Is it all about this thing and that thing? Or do we have conversations that come and focus around the person of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? God says, if you remember me, he says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. He said, you remember me, I've got a book of remembrance too. And it reminds me again that not everybody's in that book of remembrance. I think it's not talking about the book of life. I think there's a lot of people that are in the book of life that are not in that book of remembrance. They're saved by the seat of their britches. They've got their fire assurance. They're not going to hell. They put their faith in Christ. Sonship determines that. But they do not fear the Lord. They do not live in His presence. It's obvious by their conduct, by their checkbook, by their, by their entertainment, by their time spent. They have no interest for the things of God even though God has forgiven them and saved them. You don't want to be in that group. You want your name in the book of remembrance. He says that those that fear me, they talk about one to another about me. I want to encourage you to consider that. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, would you please? That got me all fired up when I read that in preparation. I believe there's wonderful truths that we can adhere to and follow through. I'd encourage you to continue reading that. Verse number 7, though, the Lord thy God bringeth thee into the good land. We spoke about this this morning. A land of brooks of water and fountains in the depths of the springs out of the valleys and the hills. And he begins to describe Canaan land. And the land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive oil and honey. A land where thou shalt eat the bread with all, without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. And the land whose stones are iron, and out of those whose hills um, thou mayest dig brass. And when thou hast eaten and art full, then 
shall, or see, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now, verse 11, read it out loud with me where you are, would you please? Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I commanded thee this day. I want to just give you a couple thoughts in closing tonight, and here's what it is. The test of success. Someone said that success can ruin a man faster than failure can. These people are getting ready to get into a land. They're going to cross the River Jordan. They're going to go through a couple years in, of conquest. And then God is going to give them portions of a land. And they're going to drink water out of those brooks and out of those wells that they didn't dig. They're going to take fruit off of trees that they didn't plant. They're going to enjoy. They're going to go into cities that they didn't build. The city is already built there. In chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, I'm going to give you goodly cities. Jericho would be destroyed, of course, but the other cities would be pillaged and spoiled and given to the, to the Israelite people. But he said, you're going to go into cities. You know, cities represent in the Bible, it represents opportunity. People from the country oftentimes go to the city because they're looking for an opportunity. They're looking for a better job. They're looking for an opportunity to excel. And the heart, if they can take their country, their country character into the city, oftentimes their work ethic will take them to the top. These young people that were going into Canaan land were going to enjoy opportunity. Number two, we find that they're going to enjoy ownership. They've been slaves in Egypt. And then they've been running around in the, in, the, in the plains of Mount Sinai where it's not their property. They have no ownership except for what they have on their back or on their camel or in their tents. But now they're going to get a piece of property. They're going to get some ownership. And then they're going to get income, a way in which they can make much of what God's given them in their opportunities and their ownership. But he's concerned. He says, I'm going to give you some success. But when you are full and you're sitting around your table and you have the food you need, you have the things that I've given you, I'm nervous. You know what I'm nervous about? You're going to forget me. You're going to fall more in love with the gift than the giver. And here's what happens when God gives us success. We go down one of two ways, pride or praise. Pride or praise. I speak with men often and precious ladies. And oftentimes they get into a sinful lifestyle and I oftentimes will ask them, where did it start? And sometimes they'll say, Pastor, it's pride. It's independence. It's bitterness. It's stubbornness. It's rebellion. But boy, pride oftentimes surfaces in that issue. Listen, whenever God blesses you and you, if you're listening to me tonight, you're blessed. When God blesses you, don't take the road of pride. Take the road of praise. The test of success is what you do with it. Are you going to be someone who is full of pride and think that you did it? By my own hands, I pulled myself, I built this, build, this business, I, I did this, I worked hard. Listen, friend, but for the grace of God, you couldn't have found your mouth this morning with your cereal. But for the grace of God, you couldn't found your mouth with your coffee cup. It's you, grace of God, you wouldn't find two and two and make four. God's given us everything. He is the one who has given us power to get wealth, and he'll remind us here. 
But the test of success is will you make it a, 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 an altar of praise or will you make it an altar of pride? Praise is where God is always glorified and multiplied. Pride is where you and I become our, our decision makers. Young people, God's blessed you. He's given you success. He's given you a mom and dad who prepared far more than you could ever, you could ever give to yourself. Most of you are getting married with a lot more, ten times more than your parents did when they got married. You've been given tremendous opportunities as youth pastors in camps. You've been to more camps in, in, in three or four years than your parents have been in a whole lifetime. They would have loved to have grown up how you grew up. They didn't even know what a youth pastor was, and you've got one. And oftentimes that will bring you to a place of pride and self-will or, or a rebellion or stubbornness. And if you do that, God help you. Or it can give you a place where you say, you know what, Lord, I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to thank you, Lord. And I'm not going to waste the investments you gave into my heart. The success, the opportunities, the ownership, uh, the income, the things I think about my kids. And I love them very much. And, and I thank God that they work hard, but you, you guys have more money now than sometimes, uh, sometimes I think I had when I was married in 10 years. You're able to save more money. Hey, listen, don't just be proud about that. You go to a place of praise on that situation. My own kids and wherever you may be, some of you guys are very, very gifted. But it's not because of you. It's because you had a godly mom and dad. It's because you have a society right now where we have more than we ought to have and more than we ever thought we would have. And by the way, the more God gives you, the more you should be generous. Be more generous with the things of God. Make more of an investment. You say, Pastor, I then won't have as much in savings. Let me just tell you, there's wisdom in savings. It's wise to do, but just keep being generous along the way. You'll be glad you did. And I remember hearing about a man, and he was driving by. When he was working, he was making money hand over fist. And he, uh, the pastor was talking about building a new Sunday school wing on the church. And he looked at his bank account and he realized, you know what, I can do that and it still won't even hurt me too much. And he gave the money to buy that Sunday school wing in times of plenty. But a few years after that, his finances went down. And by the way, your finances are going to go down. Um, nobody leaves this world with money. Okay? John D. Rockefeller, whenever he died, one of the richest men in history, Someone asked, how much did he leave? How much did he leave, Brother Vargo? He left it all. He left it all. <laughs> left it all. And you're going to leave it all. And only what's done for Christ, only what's why Jesus said, lay up yourselves treasure in heaven. But his business went down and he lost his business. One day he was driving a pickup truck with his friend. And his friend looked over and saw that Sunday school building. He said, I bet you wish you had your money that you gave to get that Sunday school building. It was a carnal friend. And he said, absolutely not. He said, if I hadn't used the money God gave me to build that, I would have lost that too. Because I lost it all. He said, I hadn't done that for the Lord. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't have, I would have lost that as well. And dear friend, you know it's so important that we understand that there is a test for success. And the test is to praise the Lord and thank Him and realize He gave it to you. And not to think that you're all that and I'm all that and we did this by ourselves. It's not true. The last part, I want you to look at just this verse and I am done. Verse 18.
But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that give thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he has sware unto his fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be that if thou do, if, if, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods and serve them. If you, that's to what you got in your future. I'm not going to be unfaithful to church. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to, I've got some other ideas. And you don't, when you worship others, the Bible says, I will testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. And there is a lot worse death than just dying physically. So a lot of perishing takes place and a lot of hurt happens when we go the wrong direction. How will you handle the test for success?